Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He commands his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. Thank you. (laughs) Apparently they have a little fan club over here. When I lived in Russia, I had the opportunity one time to go to a a, a rather remote monastery some hours outside of the city of Moscow. It was a 36-hour weekend trip. We'd get on a bus, and the bus was filled with Orthodox pilgrims, and in this case, me. And we would go out to this, this monastery just for time away with the Lord for 36 hours. I decided that I was going to do a total fast for 36 hours. I thought, I can do that. When we got on the bus, we were leaving, and we were about an hour outside of Moscow, and I remembered that I had forgotten my water bottle. So it was now no food and no water for 36 hours. The whole trip was incredible. It's an experience. The whole thing is an experience I will never forget. Needless to say, when we returned to Moscow on Saturday night, the bus stopped at a subway station, a metro stop, just inside the city limits of Moscow, and I got off and I ran for the nearest kiosk. And I bought myself a big bottle of water and a can of Pringles. <laughs> I gulped down that water. It just, it was, I needed it. I, I, I longed for it. And I ripped open that, that can of Pringles and tied into that too. You see, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I had to have something to satisfy my needs. If you will remember, some of you, a few years ago, we all, many of us, did a 40-day fast together. Some of us, many of us, over 200 of us, gave up some things for 40 days I can remember that time. I remember being hungry for 40 days. There was, this, there was this gnawing pain in my stomach that said, Hey, buddy, eat. I was hungry. Do you remember that? Have you ever been hungry like that? I'm not talking about, hey, what's for supper hungry. I'm talking about, have you ever been hungry? So hungry that it's all you've thought about. That the, that the hunger pains in your stomach 
were just there all the time. In our scripture this morning, we read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Jesus is out in the desert hungry. And that's where we meet Him today as we start our journey. That's where our journey begins as we follow Jesus from here through Easter and beyond. This is a great place to start the journey, brothers and sisters, because you know, as well as I do, that we all spend time in the desert every now and then. Every now and then we find ourselves in a place of loneliness and hunger and despair and heartache and the potential is there for defeat. We all go through it from time to time. So as we start our journey through this day and Easter and beyond with Jesus, we start in a great place with Jesus in the desert. If you look at, look with me at verse 1 of chapter 4. We're going to look and see what Jesus did, what happened to him in the desert, and we can, we can apply those things to our lives as we go through this journey with him. Verse 1 says of, of Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. Get that. Jesus was led into his place of loneliness, his place of hunger and suffering and pain Jesus and tempting. Jesus was led there by the Spirit of God. See, sometimes we end up in the desert because of our own choices. Sometimes we end up in a place of suffering because of the, the, the not, not the best choices that we make, and we make a series of choices, and there we find ourselves in the desert suffering. Woe is me. But there are times for the children of God that God himself, the Spirit of God, leads us out in the place of suffering and despair. Why would God do that? Why would God do that to His Son? Why would God lead us to a place of loneliness, burden, despair, hardship, heartbreak, hunger, and possibly defeat? Why would God do that? Well, right before our eyes, as we read through this passage of Scripture in in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus being prepared for His earthly ministry. He has been moving toward this day for the 30 years of His life. And now He has arrived. Just a few verses before, at the end of chapter 3, we read about Him being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And at that time, after He comes up out of the water, this voice from heaven... I don't know what God's voice sounds like, but to me it's, it's like James Earl Jones or deep. But this voice from heaven comes and says, This is my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased with Him. So the voice from heaven has acknowledged, This is my Son. Right before our eyes, Jesus is beginning to be prepared or continuing to be prepared for the task at hand. And He is led into the wilderness, into the desert, for an intense time of tempting or 
testing. He is led into the desert for an intense time with the Father as he is being prepared for ministry. You see, Jesus needed to have intimacy with the Father because of what he was going to face. Jesus needed that alone time. Jesus needed to understand, if he didn't already, he needed to understand that when pain and suffering would come in the future, God would be there. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert. I don't know about you, but I have one deep, supreme desire that I might be like Jesus. To this I fervently aspire that I might be like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that doesn't happen unless we go through the desert. There is not a saint that has ever lived that hasn't become considered a saint without going through suffering and pain. That's just the way it is. That can only happen in the desert. When the Spirit leads us, or when we find ourselves in a place of suffering and pain, in our desert, in our wilderness, God will use that To mold us and make us into the likeness of His Son. God will use that time, wants to use that time to make us more effective in His kingdom. You see, God has a plan with your name on it. And that plan always goes through the desert. If we want to be all that God is calling us to be. We can't be it without going through the desert. This is a great place to start with Jesus because there may be some, I'm sure there are some people right now sitting here that are in the middle of a desert, of a wilderness. As we look and see what happened to Jesus, we see that when Jesus was His most vulnerable Guess who showed up? Absolutely, Satan showed up. That's just like him. He knows when we're weakest. He knows when we we have our guard down, if you will. He knows when we're vulnerable, and that's when he shows up. Let me ask you something. Are you ready? Are you prepared for him to show up? Verse 2 again says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Verse 3 says right away, the tempter came to him. Well, of course he did. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus was tired. Jesus was vulnerable. And in our vulnerable state, Satan comes and tests us right where we live. Right at our weakest place. Jesus, turn these stones into bread. Jesus was hungry. Come on, Jesus. Turn these stones into bread. You can do it. You know you can. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. Come on, Jesus. You can do it. You see what Satan wanted to do? Satan wanted Jesus to take matters into his own hands. 
Satan wanted Jesus to do it himself and not wait on God. Yes, Jesus was hungry, but God's plan was not played out yet. God hadn't finished with Jesus yet. God hadn't finished him, and when he was finished, then he would eat. Satan says, no, don't worry about that. Turn those stones into bread. God wants us to rely on, or Satan wants us to rely on ourselves and on Satan and not God. We must let God and Jesus let God work in us according to his will and his way and his purposes in life. Satan was saying, Jesus, put the cart before the horse. Satan then takes Jesus to a high place and says, throw yourself down and see if God's word is true. If you are the Son of God, this is my Son. If you are the Son of God, then if you did jump off this, the Bible says that the angels will, will, will come and protect you and you will not hurt yourself. I'm quoting scripture to you, Jesus. Jump off. You see, what Satan was trying to do was trying to work on the humanness of Jesus. You see, Jesus was vulnerable. He was just starting his ministry. Remember, Jesus was a human being at this point. Satan was saying to him from his human side, Prove it, Jesus. Prove it that you're the Son of God. Go ahead, jump off. Then Satan said to Jesus, if you will just, I got an idea, Jesus, this is, this is a good one. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll, I'll give you all of this. Showed him the, the different kingdoms of the world, I'll give you all of this. You know what Satan was offering Jesus? A shortcut. So Jesus, I know that if you do it God's way, you will get all of these kingdoms. I understand that. But I'm offering you, Jesus, a shortcut. My way is without a cross. You can have all of this, Jesus, without the suffering, without the pain. You see, Satan comes to us when we're most vulnerable and makes a pretty good argument right where we live. He comes to us when we're most vulnerable. Satan does the same things to us that he's doing here to Jesus. He says to us, you don't have to trust God. I mean, after all, you're in this wilderness, you're in the desert, you've been there for a long time, it's about time God set you free, maybe he's not who he says he is. I've got an idea, forget God, come do it my way. Do it your own way, okay, do it your way, just forget God. If God truly was God, if you truly were a child of God, he would have set you free weeks ago. What do we do when Satan comes? And tempts us when we're most vulnerable. We keep walking the journey with Jesus. And this is what Jesus did. The first thing Jesus did was embraced the desert. 
He obeyed God and went to the desert. He trusted God while he was in the desert. He was patient to wait until God was finished with him at that moment in his life in the desert. Jesus embraced the desert. He didn't run from the desert. He didn't give up because it was too long. I mean, 40 days and 40 nights? No food? He didn't give up because he said it was too hard. He didn't give up because he couldn't see the end. He trusted God. His attitude was obedience and patience and trust. You see, Jesus looked at his desert. Jesus approached his desert experience from a different direction than we normally do. We normally look at our desert situation, the, the, the desperation in life, and we say, Woe is me. We feel sorry for ourselves. We look at the situation, can't see a way out, and we just feel sorry for ourselves. Now, I can understand that. That's a natural reaction. But brothers and sisters, if we live there, Satan has us right where he wants us. We are living in a defeated state. Jesus embraced the desert. And we should too. Why did he embrace the desert? Because, Jesus, because God was preparing him for his ministry. Instead of following, instead of following our natural tendencies of saying, woe is me, let's turn it around, turn the tables on our enemy and say, Father, in the midst of my pain and suffering, what do you want to teach me? Where do you want to take me? Where are you leading me, Lord? This is painful. He knows it is. This is painful. Would you help me? Would you lift me up? Will you strengthen me as I follow you through this desert? When we come into the desert, we should use it as a time to be intimate with the Father. Our desert should drive us to our knees. That's embracing the desert. Our desert should drive us to the feet of the Savior. You see, we need intimacy with God too for what's to come. Jesus embraced His desert experience. We should too. Not easy. But that's what... God is leading us to embrace it. The next thing Jesus did that would absolutely work for us is that Jesus defeated Satan with the Word of God. (laughs) This is way cool. Did I say it right? This is really cool. Jesus, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus says in verse 4, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, throw yourself down. Go ahead. See if it's true. Throw yourself down. Verse 7, Jesus says, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan says, Jesus, just bow down and worship me. It's a shortcut. Jesus says in verse 10, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Jesus is basically quoting the first commandment, You shall have no other gods before me. 
Sisters and brothers, my Bible tells me to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't you want to kick the, 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 uh, the devil back where he belongs? How do you do that? By the word of God. The absolute best way to resist the devil and have him flee from you is to use the word of God. Ephesians 6 calls that one of the, one of the, um, the armors of God, part of the armor of God. It is our only offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are to spend time in it, learn from it, live in it. That is why this journey that we're on together is so important. We're in the Word as the body of Christ. Jesus embraced His desert. Jesus defeated Satan with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Finally, this morning, as you read through this passage of Scripture... Jesus loved God with all his heart. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Chuck. I didn't read that there. That's true. It doesn't say here, Jesus loved God with all of his heart. But, but look, look with me now. Jesus quoted three verses of Scripture to defeat Satan. These three verses of Scripture came from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 8. This is a section of Scripture that Jesus has, must have spent some time in. He must have spent time studying this, the whole Torah. But, but when he was tempted at this moment, he spoke words from De- Deuteronomy 6 and 8. Do you know what verses basically begin this section? Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, <laughs> the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Scripture goes on to say you need to find ways to remind yourself this, children of God, like hanging it on the wall in the church. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love Him with all your heart. You see, as we begin the journey together, The foundation is the same that we've talked about all year long so far. Love God with all your heart. Do you love God in a way that people can see it in your life? As we begin our journey together with Jesus, remember this. God has a purpose for your time in the desert. I don't know what it is, but He'll reveal it to you. God has a purpose for your time in the desert. Embrace it and become more intimate with Him. You're going to need it. Don't give up. Don't give in. And for sure, don't push Him away. When the enemy comes, and He will... Maybe he's at your door even as we speak. When the enemy comes, defeat him with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And finally, foundationally, love God with all your heart. I've got to tell you, I'm hungry. Are you? I'm just hungry and thirsty for more of my Father. 
the hunger pains in my spiritual soul are just, I can taste it. I'm just hungry and thirsty. My Bible tells me that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. Are you hungry this morning? When you came in, I hope you were given a rock, a stone, were you? If you weren't, you can pick one up on the way out, I think. But take that stone. Hold it in your hand, if you will. I would guess that a stone like this could be found in the desert. What do you do when you're in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights? Well, you kick rocks. I don't know what you, but this maybe is one of them that you would find in the desert. That's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to look at that stone and just think of this stone as that issue in your life that's between you and victory. Whatever it is. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's some experience you had in the past, abuse or something that you just can't get past. Maybe it's something at school or something at work or something at home, whatever it is that, that just is, is your desert. What is it? Do you have that in mind? I'd like you to take this stone this week, and I'm going to put mine in my pocket all week long. Put it somewhere where you can see it, and every time you touch it, every time you see it, pray, God, set me free. Lord, I'm in the desert. Set me free from whatever it is that is keeping me from victory these days. All week, pray every time you see it, every time you touch it. And then at the end of the week on Saturday, this will take take some, some thinking here. Take your rock, find a river, a pond, or even a, some woods somewhere and just heave it. And pray as it flies through the air, Lord, set me free. Sunday, we're going to come back and rejoice that God has set us free. We're going to, by faith, believe that God has set us free. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Father, we are yours. Sometimes, Lord, that means we go through the desert. Lord, we we need you to guide us. Because we're desperate for you. Some people sitting here today are right in the middle of a desert experience. And in some cases, it's been going on too long. They're hungry. They're tired. They're vulnerable, Lord. And for all I know, Satan has been attacking them. I pray, Father, that you would help us to defeat him by the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in your word as we follow your son on this journey these days, these weeks. Father God, help us as we walk with you to love you with all of our hearts. As we pray this week, Lord, as we ask to be set free, As we ask to draw closer to you, please move on our hearts, Lord. Transform us. 
I thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're going to do. For some folks have been suffering for a long time. In the name of Jesus, it's been long enough, Lord, set them free. Lord, there are, there are also, Lord, people in our congregation that are suffering physically. We ask that you would go to where they are. You know who they are. We think of Linda and James and Kara. I ask, Lord, that you would go to where these ones are and touch their bodies, and their hearts, their souls. I pray, Lord, that for our, our shut-ins, those that cannot come, I pray for them, Lord. Would you comfort them right now? I pray for the family of Davina Rumpel. Bless them, Lord, in the sudden death of her father. Pray, Lord, that you would comfort them in their shock and in their grief. I pray, Lord, that you would just touch them from their tops of their heads, the tips of their toes, Lord. Just give them what they need today. Lord, I thank you that Jeremy Hall is home from the military. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. We ask that you would, or ask that you would be with all of the other military personnel on our list, Lord. We'd lay them at your feet and we pray on their behalf. Protect them from the evil one and bring them home safely, Father. For our families, Lord, would you heal our families? Would you make us strong, healthy Christian families? Protect our children, all of them, especially from the evil one. Lord, help them, encourage them to fix their eyes on Jesus. Father, for our missionaries that we pray for each week, we lift them up. Thank you for them. For our leaders, Lord, we pray for them as they lead us. Ask that you would help them to hear your still small voice. Father, we are grateful for what you do for us. We thank you for the potential that's all wrapped up in people who say, I'm all in. Help us, Lord, to embrace whatever comes our way as an opportunity to get closer to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. Thank you, Father, for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, use them, empower them for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.